Mindfulness Mode 510. I just try and say, my focus can only be on what I can control. And that is playing the hand the best way possible. Mindful Tribe, we have a world-class poker player with us today. I'm really excited. He's been a high-stakes poker player and coach for more than 15 years, traveled to 45 countries plus, and made millions of dollars in the biggest cash games and tournaments in the world. He's competed on television shows such as World Series of Poker on ESPN, the World Poker Tour on Travel Channel, and Poker Night in America on CBS Sports. I am so excited to have Alec Torelli with me today. Hey, Alec, are you in mindfulness mode? (laughs) (laughs) I think I try and be in mindfulness mode every day, but um, (laughs) yeah, it's always the ambition. Alec, it's great to have you here. I just want to ask you, what does mindfulness mean to you? Let's start there. It's a good question. I think for me, it just means being present and aware. And then if there are thoughts, which is just inevitable, I mean, it would be nice to be able to turn them off, but we can't always do that. To have your thoughts be a form of awareness where you're paying attention to the different sensations like sounds or touch or feeling, or if you're eating, it's the sensation of eating and the taste. And so having your thoughts and your, your mindset be on what is currently happening right now. And that is a lot easier said than done, at least for me. Yeah, well, for a lot of people. Alec, you've been involved in, in poker for more than 15 years. As a matter of fact, you've been a high stakes poker player and coach for more than 15 years. How did you get into this? Well, I started playing when I was 16. So that's about 17 years ago now. And I got invited to a friend's house to play poker and it was booming in the US. Uh, Chris Moneymaker had just won the World Series of Poker. It was famous on TV. And I just got invited over to play a, a, trip, a typical home game, you know, buy-in of $10 and whatever. And I won my first time playing. And as they say of any gambler, you know, the worst thing that happens is you win because then you're hooked. And so I was hooked. Uh, it was a cool way that I could compete. I was never good at sports. You know, I didn't make the basketball team. I dropped out of football off my freshman year. But this was something I thought, at least, maybe I had you know delusions of grandeur from winning my first time. It went to my head. But I felt like I had a knack for the game. And I felt like this is something I could be good at. So it started out as just a passion. But then I just kept playing. I kept studying. Well, it's a long story. But I basically never looked back after I started playing poker. I just spent most of my time in high school um, playing after school with friends. When I turned 18, I started to play online. And when I was uh, at, at, at college at SMU in, in Dallas, Texas, um, I was playing a lot of online poker. I was actually doing pretty well. I was making you know, thousands of dollars playing online poker, uh, which was a ton for me at, at the time. And um, I came to a point where I realized I hit a, like, a fork in the road. And I realized that I couldn't become any better. I couldn't reach that next level. I couldn't achieve my dream of traveling around to play in, in the tournaments and, and really become a professional if I was still in school. And so I evaluated my worst case scenario and I realized, you know, the worst thing that could happen is I take a year off, give poker a shot, I lose all my money, and I'm in the same place as everybody else except one year older. But the best thing that happened is I make a run for it and I actually achieve my dream of being able to travel the world and have poker fuel my lifestyle. And so when I looked at my risk reward, it just made sense to me to give this a shot. I thought if I'm not going to do something now, if I'm not going to take a shot on myself when I'm 18, I'm never going to do it. I'm just going to go down this path of, you know, living my life for somebody else my whole life. And it's too early to do that. 
And so I made that decision then. And that was really a huge pivotal point for me. And then um, things, you know, progressed from there. Right. And what were you studying at college? Well, I was only there a semester. I actually went back for another semester after my first year, just because I, I really liked learning and I always wanted to be uh, to learn as much as possible. But I was studying business and then I took classes in psychology as well my second time around. And so as a poker player, what did you do to improve? What was your best strategy to get better? It's a good question. I think surrounding myself with people whose opinion I really respected and that had the same ambitions and goals as me was the single biggest thing. And this allowed me to create a social circle where I could talk poker with these other people. And I could have strategy from people with all different walks of life that had different approaches to the game, but everybody had a unique strength. And my approach was always to find out what they did really well and figure out how I could implement that into my game. And I think this is a great perspective to have in life as well, because everyone that you come across, whether you like them or dislike them, or you know, you're fond of them or not, they all have something they do very well. Everybody has that strength or that superpower that's theirs. And so I try and find what that is in people. And, and in poker, I tried to do that. And so I looked for what everyone's superpower was. And then I tried to mold that into my own game. And so I sought out from a very young age, uh, surrounding myself with these other people by going to poker tournaments, by going to live events, by connecting with people on forums or in Vegas, at casinos and different places. And that really, really helped me. And the second thing I did was just study. I actually went into the lab and ran a bunch of numbers, crunched numbers, ran, ran simulations. And there's really no substitute for that, right? You have to put in the work. And so I spent a lot of time doing that. So what's your superpower? I think if I had to say, it would be understanding people and where they're at and how the current state they're in is likely to influence the decisions they're going to make at the table. So for example, if someone's winning a lot of money at the table and they're about to quit a game, that, might, that person might bluff less frequently. That's a common sort of stereotypical analysis of how someone's likely to behave based on the situation or the current state that they're in as a person. But I think on a nuanced level, on, an, on a hand-to-hand -hand basis, that's always changing. It's changing subtly from one hand to another. And it's hard to pick up on that. And I think it's something that I've honed that reading ability. And I think that's what I'm the best at. You mentioned going into the lab. What does that mean? Where do you go if you go into the lab? <laughs> well, there's various poker programs you could download, like calculators. And you're running these sorts of simulations where you're inputting the types of hands that you have and the types of hands your opponent has. And you're crunching all the numbers. So you're figuring out the odds, the probabilities, the equities. And you're figuring out what the best line is, the best course of action to take is based on the cards that come the size of the bet, the size of the pot, the hand that you have, etc. It's very similar to what a chess player does when they enter a position into the chess simulator. And the chess simulator then tells them what the best moves are going forward. It's very similar to that, except in poker. And you do a lot of those simulations. Um, pretty much, I was doing some earlier today. You do them on a really on a daily basis. Have you always been good at math? Do you see math as being related to this? Yeah, I've been good at math. I'm not like a savant at math. I'm not like excellent, but I, math has come easy to me. But the poker math is more like probability and odds. So you have to be good at that type of math. And there's really different types of math you can be good at. But that, that side of the math has always come very easy to me. 
But you really have to have a balance between the math side of things, especially in live poker. You have to know the math and be aware of the numbers, but you also have to be aware of the psychology and the intuition. And so you have to use a combination of you know, your logical mind, uh, your rational thought, and then your in, emo- like intuitive thought to make high-level decisions. And so that's what's really appealing to me is being able to say, okay, from the book standpoint, you know, this is the correct play based on what the book says. But there's this human element. And that is, what do I know about my opponent? What do I know about them as a person? How do they see the world? What is our history together? Maybe he just won a big pot off me. And that makes him less likely or more likely to bluff me. And all those things, in turn, affect the math because they affect the types of hands he's going to be playing and how he's going to play them. And that affects the numbers. So you have to be able to take in these new variables that, you're, that are, you have to take into account and then quantify them in a way that helps you better understand what, how it's going to affect your odds of winning or losing the hand. So it's really fun to try and put these different pieces together. Well, it is. And it's, it's fun to hear you talk about it. And I'd like to know about the mindfulness behind all of this. How do you stay completely calm and focused and mindful? What's your take on that? So I think there are things you can do at the table and away from the table to help this. And I'll talk about each individually. First, I think it starts with your practice away from the table. Just like building muscle, uh, you need to build muscle to perform well on game day. I think in the same way, if you approach poker as a mental sport, it helps to build that mental muscle. And obviously, the, the most, I think, obvious way of doing that is meditation. So that's a good way to help stay present and stay focused and concentrated because you're always training your mind to be here, to be now, to be present. And in poker, that's really important because it's actually quite slow of a game. It might seem exciting and stimulating based on what you see on television. But for example, when we film those televised games, we play for eight hours, two days in a row, and they cut that 16-hour segment down into one or two 30-minute episodes. So what's what's happening the other seven and a half hours is you're folding. You're just passing. You're waiting for a good, exciting hand to happen. But it's there where you gain all of the valuable information to pay attention. And to pay attention, you have to be present. You have to be mindful. You have to be here. You have to be now. You have to not be on your cell phone or not be lost in thought and not and missing out on all that action that you could then use later to make a better decision to win you more money. Right? So you have to train that muscle so that when you're in the game in real time, you can stay present, stay focused. And sometimes when I was living in Macau playing some of the big games out there, the games we would play would last 24 hours. And it's often the case that in the 20th, 22nd, 23rd hour is where the biggest edges are because that's when people are gambling the most. That's when the size of the game gets kicked up. And that's when you have the most reads on the other people. And it's when the other people are tired and fatigued because you've done your training and your and your studying. So I think off the table meditation is a huge one. And I think on the table... In the same way that other athletes have a little bit of a routine they go through every time they prepare to perform. Okay, so if you think about golf, you watch a golfer, they don't just walk up to the green and putt the ball, right? They have a little stance they do that, not a dance, but it's like a little routine they go in where they kind of shake out their shoulders, they kind of stand up and they, 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 they move their feet a couple times back and forth and they get the club and they shake it out and then, then they putt. 
or a tennis player before they shoot the ball, shoot the ball before they serve the point, they dribble the ball several times and they kind of look at their opponent and they have this whole routine. So in poker, I developed the same thing that I use for myself and that I also teach to my clients and students. And it's called, I call it a power routine. And it's basically this, this routine that I go through in between every single hand of poker. And it's, it's something that has to be done consciously because in golf, you're the one that has to initiate that ball moving to the green, right? The ball's not going to move. But in poker, it happens for you because the dealer will give you cards and it's your turn to act whether you're ready or not. So you have to be the one that's taking action to be prepared before that moment happens. So I have this power routine I go through where in between each hand of poker that's being dealt, I have a mental command I say to myself that I'm refocusing on the present moment that I'm telling myself I'm intensely present and focused at the poker table. I'm focused on what I can control. My goal is to play the next hand the best way possible. And I repeat that command to myself so that each hand, I'm back in the moment. I'm back staying present. And I use what's called a trigger, which is the dealer cutting the cards to help me stay focused, to help me trigger that response. Because like I said, in, in golf, you're the one that has to you know hit the ball. But in poker, the cards come for you. So I've trained myself to have this like Pavlovian response almost to when the dealer cuts the cards, I'm triggering this thought pattern that I'm going through that keeps me centered here and now. And I do that like a mental muscle. Every single hand I play, you know, hundreds of hands a day, thousands of hands a week. And eventually I get trained good. I get trained very well at being able to stay present and focused every single hand I play. And it's kind of like an ongoing meditation during the game. And I think, to be honest, it's a really good way of looking at poker because it is at its highest level, like a, a, a type of meditation because it is very boring to play poker well because 90% of the time you're folding and you're watching what's going on and you're waiting for that one or two big hands a night to come up. And so you have to be prepared for that. You have to stay disciplined and um, be ready. Alec, you're a brilliant poker player, but it seems to me you're also a brilliant online business person. You have your training site, Conscious Poker. You have a 25,000 plus email list and you have your YouTube channel with over 50,000 subscribers. Would you agree that it takes a similar kind of strategy and brain power in order to create a successful online business as it does to play poker? Well, thank you for the compliment, by the way, first of all. Um, but I think there's definitely crossover in the skills that I've learned in poker that have helped in growing a, an online business. So for example, one of them is just being able to separate the facts from the noise and to isolate variables and to determine what's actually moving the needle. And I think poker really teaches you to do that because you have to focus on the quality of your decisions, not the outcome. And sometimes you can make the right decision and still lose the hand or vice versa. So for example, sometimes when it comes to promoting content, you can create a great piece of content and it just doesn't stick. You put your effort into it. You did your best. You played the hand the best way possible. You delivered your best work. But the piece of content doesn't necessarily take off. And that's just part of it. But you have to be able to play for the long term. In the same way you do at poker, you know, the people that make the best decisions repeatedly over a long period of time will win. And it's the same in content. If you it's the same in creating a business. If you do stick to it and you continue to put out great stuff and you put yourself in a favorable position, let's say, so to speak, to use a poker analogy, if you do that repeatedly over a long period of time and you let that compound over years, 
you know, the, be- the, the better people will come out on top in the long run. Of course, there is also another aspect that's very uh, similar or parallel to poker, and that is there is an element of luck. And in poker, sometimes, you know, there are people that aren't as good that win a tournament because there is an element of luck involved. And there is that element of luck in business as well as con in content. And I like to think about, you know, the hyper, hyper successful situations are, are tantamount to winning a tournament. They might be very great players, but you also have to have an element of luck of timing of one piece of content going viral that gave you the leg up to do the other things or, or having the, the bankroll to fund your, your endeavors or whatever it is. Uh, there is that element of chance and mystery and luck involved. So I think um, keeping all these things in perspective and being able to emotionally withstand the ups and downs of business or poker is, is, is a good skill set to have as well. And I think poker really prepares you for that. I like you talked earlier about meditation. What does meditation look like in your life? Is it daily? How long is it? What's it like? I started meditating about four years ago and I started with an app called Headspace. And I did 10 minutes a day. And I just said, I'm going to do this. I've heard a lot about this meditation. It seems like it has all the scientific benefits. Everybody's touting it. I'm going to commit to 30 days, 10 minutes a day. And, I, and I'm one of those people that if I try something, I try for a little bit of time because I realize there's a learning curve and everything sucks the first week, right? Learning mm-hmm. a language, going yes. to the gym, developing a new diet, like everything sucks the first week. So that's not really trying, in my opinion. So I, I said, I'm going to try it a month. And after the first month, I realized, okay, there's something here. And like, I, I don't want to say it all clicked. It took longer than that. And I'm, I'm still having those aha moments after four years. I'm by no means uh, you know, great at it. But I realized there was something there. And then so I slowly augmented my practice to 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day. And now it's something that I do, I would say, every day. And I always start my day first thing with meditation. I probably do between 10 and 30 minutes a day in the morning, like first thing. And then I'll do intermittent meditations throughout the day. And that's something I've been adding over the last year or two. And so I really like to use it more as almost as much as I like to start my day off with it. I like to use it as a transitionary activity where I go from one activity to another and I'll meditate in between. And sometimes I find as little as 5 minutes like before I go from one task to another or just if I'm burnt out from doing really creative work in the morning and I've been working for 4 hours straight and I need a break but I still have stuff I want to get done. I could, I could take an hour break and come back to my work, or I can meditate for like 10 minutes and come back right as, right as, just as fast. And so it's almost like a superpower in that way where it allows you to recharge as quickly as possible. It's kind of like having a supercharger for your brain, at least for me. And so I use it in that transition phase probably once a day at least. And sometimes I try and do it again at the end of my workday before I transition to family time because I want all the thoughts that are subconsciously going through my mind to come out during the meditation and kind of let that breathe so that when I go to have dinner with my wife or on a date, for example, with my wife, or we do some, we, we go out to do something, my mind is disconnected from the past activity because I kind of let that breathe. And then I could focus intensely on what I'm currently doing. And for someone like me, who's pretty much either in fifth gear or sleeping, I think that's really important because my mind is racing a lot and I always have things that I'm thinking about. And so taking those blocks of time, ideally, you know, 15 minutes, three times a day is, is what I aim for, uh, is, is quite, uh, quite powerful stuff. 
Well, I agree with you. I think meditation really is a superpower for me as well. And I think it's interesting that you mentioned it and spoke about it that way. Now, I also want to ask you, do you ever feel like you've done everything right? You've meditated, you've got your routine, and yet there is some kind of inner chatter that is slowing you down or that's taking you off your game. Do you ever find that you have any self-bullying going on? I guess there are days where you do everything right and you don't necessarily perform your best. And there are other days where you just kind of get lucky where you don't necessarily check all the things off your box, like whatever, doing cardio or meditating or taking a cold shower or having a healthy meal. You don't necessarily get all those things, quote, done, but you still have a great day. And I think that's just part of life, right? And I think poker has really helped me with that because you could play the hand perfectly and still lose the pot. Or you could play the hat badly and win the pot. But I just try and say, my focus can only be on what I can control. And that is playing the hand the best way possible. And I've taken that to the bank in life as well. So I get up every day and I just try and show up. Try and meditate every day. I try and go through my morning routine. I try and I do hit cardio. I try and uh, eat healthy. I try and stay focused on one or two core things that I'm really good at in my business try and have great relationships with the people around me. And if I just keep showing up to everything, I just trust that in the end, that will manifest into a positive result. And so I try not to get too caught up in the noise. And I call it noise because that, that, that sort of I feel like is what it is, what's happening in the short term. So for example, if you play poker and you go to the casino one day and you're going to play poker and you lose one or two days, that's just kind of like noise. It doesn't mean you're a bad player. It doesn't mean you suck. It doesn't mean you're never going to win. It's just part of the ups and downs of life. And I think you learn to take those things in stride if you play poker for a long period of time. And I think in your daily life, it happens. Like some days I get up and I maybe I had... like I'm a real lightweight. So if I have two glasses of wine, I, I feel it the next day. So maybe I had two glasses of wine and a extra a piece of cake at, at dinner or something. And I'm like not feeling my best in the morning. Or... I just don't feel great that day. Or maybe I had a, something personal that happened that was difficult in, in, in some way. And so I'm not necessarily on my A game, so to speak. But I just go through the motions anyway. Like if you let emotions sort of dictate your action, you're never going to like win. It's just too, you're just too susceptible to the inputs that are happening. And so sometimes I try and be aware of the emotions that I'm feeling and saying, you know, right now, I don't necessarily feel like putting in this time to be creative. Like a lot of the work I do is creative. And if I always wait for emotion to dictate when I'm going to be do my creative work, I'll never get done what I've been getting done lately. Because I, I override that with saying, okay, now it's time to be creative. Like I have to engineer that creativity and it has to come from within and I have to like force it. And I, I heard a great thing about... I, I just wrote a book recently that's coming out in, in May. And I was reading about some of these writers that... Um, and their process, because I wanted to learn, like, what if I have writer's block? You know, this was a real fear. And I read a great quote that I feel like summed this whole thing up. And it says, I'm inspired to write every day and inspiration strikes at 9am. And it's like, it was, I'm paraphrasing the quote, but it's just so true. It's like, if you just sit down at 9am to get work done, and you just work through the emotions you're feeling, whether it's not feeling creative or not feeling like doing it, or you feel like doing something else, or you're distracted, or you want to procrastinate, and you just do it anyway, and you show up, you know, good things will happen. And so I've been, I, and I look, I, I fall short, all, I fall short, I'm not perfect, but it's what I, what I'm saying, at least is what I'm striving for. And so I hope it doesn't sound like I'm 
coming off like I know everything, but at least this is what I strive to do. And so, uh, you know, falling up short is part of the journey, but, you know, hold, try to have high standards and, and aim for the best. Well, I'm just fascinated to hear what's inside your head. To hear what you're sharing today is really fascinating. Have you Thank played you. other games too besides poker? My my son is crazy about Magic the Gathering and he's very, yeah. very into it. Do you like Magic the Gathering? I actually have one of the... I opened it because I couldn't resist it. It was like four years since I saved this damn thing. But I had one of the original Magic the Gathering starter packs. Like ah. the original one with the original wrapping. And I got into the game very, very early. I was never good. I like I had one deck that like I thought was really good. And if I played someone that didn't know what they was were doing, I could win. But I, I like got into it and then I got into chess like at a very early age. Again, I was never very good. I think I was like maybe a twelve hundred rated player, which is like pretty bad. Um so yeah, I mean, I was never very good at other games. I always loved other games. I always loved like things that I could that challenged me mentally to be stimulated and thinking. Um, but poker was really the only game that I, that I excelled at in a way that, uh, was meaningful at all. What kind of financial income could someone, uh, expect from living a life like you do focused on poker, focused on being a mindful uh, poker player and so on? Um, that's a hard question to answer because yeah, that's a hard question to answer. There's different levels of poker playing. And a lot of it is a function of a lot of it just comes down to math, right? So if you think about poker, it's measured, you measure your win rate in terms of what's called in, in units. Okay. So you measure it in terms of the size of the game, in terms of the blinds in the game. So let's say you're sitting down at the table, you go to the casino and you say, I want to buy in $500 for the game. And the blinds of that game, the forced antes are, are $2 and $5. Okay. So that $5, that unit is called a big blind and you measure your win rate in terms of those units. So how many of those big blinds can I win in an hour? Okay. And so a good player that plays live poker will win 10 of those big blinds every hour. So if you're playing in a game, that's a $2 and a $5 blind, you're going to win 10 times five or $50 in an hour. So it's more about the win rate that you can achieve because everyone has access to different games based on, well, their skill set number one, but also based on the bankroll they have and the, the games that are running in their area. And a lot of the higher stakes games are private and there's some politics involved to get into those games. And it's a whole separate conversation, but a lot of it's a function of that. So if you could win about 10 of those units per hour, I would say that's a very good poker player can win. And then obviously it's a function of how big of games you can play. So you can play games that are to tie $2 and $5 and make 50 an hour an hour, or you can play games where the blinds are 500 and a thousand and make 10,000 an hour. It just depends on how, how good of games you can find and how bad the other players are in relative to you, right? Like your win rate is the difference in skill between you and your opponent. So how much so money just, have you made in your best year? I don't feel comfortable answering. 
Okay. Well, I just thought I'd ask, you know, because I think that's Fair probably enough. what's on the mind of a lot of my listeners. And yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely cool uh, that you don't want to answer it. But uh, I think it's I think it's fascinating what you do. And I, I know that you have your training site, Conscious Poker. Um, what is your website where we can uh, where we can learn about this? Yeah. So ConsciousPoker.com is for people that want to learn poker strategy, right? If you want to learn how to get better at the game of poker, you want to improve, you want to beat your friends or be able to win at your local casino or win playing online poker. We have some great products there. Um, A membership for people to join where we have a private Facebook group uh, that's moderated by myself. We have monthly group coaching calls where I host all these calls on, on Zoom. And we do these like video conference calls every month. There's new content coming out every week. There's mini courses. There's some awesome content in there. That's a paid membership. And then we have a lot of free content. Like you mentioned, I have a YouTube. There's, I think, 500 videos on there. We have a lot of free blogs at Conscious Poker. But I think the first step to do would be, if you're curious at all about poker strategy, would simply be to subscribe at Conscious Poker. It's totally free. You'll get access to um, my intro to hand reading, which will help you figure out what your opponents have in every hand you play. It's the exact system I use, broken down in a simple step-by-step formula for everyone to follow. And there's some real hand examples in there that I've played from various cash games and tournaments around the world. So that's a fun piece of content to grab access to. You'll also hop on my newsletter if you, if you subscribe there. And that's also free. Every Monday, I send out a newsletter called Crush Mondays, which is um, a list of the best things that, I'm, that are going on this week. So it'll be a little excerpt about what's going on this week. There'll be new content that's featured on... Conscious Poker, as well as alectrelli.com, my personal site, which I'll mention in a sec, and then a poker tip of the week, and then some content that I'm absorbing, maybe a cool Instagram post or a person I'm following or something like that, and a quote. So, so that's some awesome content. Just one thing, one piece of content all in one place every week. And then if you want like some of the life lessons I guess I've learned in poker that apply towards life and business, that's all on alectrelli.com. And those are some of the things that I talk about on podcasts or keynotes or, or what, whatnot. And there's a blog on alectrelly.com. Again, there's, everything's free on there. Um, and I share dif- dif- different things I've learned about like decision-making, risk-taking, um, bankroll management, a um, little bit of philosophy, just ideas that I have as well. And so I think... Yeah, let me um, cut in here. alectorelli.com. A-L-E-C-T-O-R-E-L-L-I. Alec Torelli. Don't forget those two L's in there. A-L-E-C-T-O-R-E-L-L-I. Yeah, alectorelli.com. Oh, I want to know what your new book is going to be called. Tell me about your book. So I'm not sure I could say the title yet until we move to the marketing phase, but I'm the book is done. So okay. we're just finalizing the graphics, but like everything's done. It's it's uh, I'm really excited about it. And I really put into the book my like best strategies of poker that I teach to clients in a linear to follow format. So we cover everything from the math, the odds, the hands, how to think about what your opponents are holding, the poker psychology, how to use your image to your advantage, how to manage your bankroll, mindset. It's, it's all in there. And it's meant to be like a one-stop shop. And it'll be out in May. It should be on Amazon and in Barnes & Noble or like bookstores in the US. Sure. We'll be looking and for I'm it. really excited about it. Yeah. So thank you for that. I, and uh, if you do follow me on social or subscribe, I'll be putting out alerts about when it comes out as well. Of so course. stay tuned. Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, I want to ask you five quick answer questions and uh, sure, some of the stuff fire. you've already talked about. But the first one is this. Who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life? 
That's a good question. I guess Sam Harris. I listened to his app Waking Up, so that helped a lot. Okay, great. Second question, you've already talked a lot about mindfulness and emotions. You've already kind of addressed that. But the, the third question is this, tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness. Are you focused on deep breathing or any aspect of breathing? Yeah. So when you do guided meditations, they often use the breath as an anchor to help you stay mindful because it's something that's constant and everybody breathes all the time. So it's an easy way to stay mindful and you could just kind of follow your breath. That's something that I learned to do early on in my mindfulness journey. But I think in daily life, sometimes when I only have a minute and I don't, I can't necessarily, I don't have time to meditate or I'm going from one activity to another, or I'm feeling a little bit of stress, I'll take a deep breath and then exhale rapidly really quick. And it's just paying attention to my breath is something that translated into my life as well. And so I could just take a deep breath and exhale and kind of blow off steam, or I could just follow my breath for a second. And that helps calm me down and stay present to where I actually am. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? The Power of Now. Okay. And uh, you already mentioned the app. Let's give a, a shout out again to Sam Harris's app. What was that called? Yeah. Amazing. It's called Waking Up and it's all Sam Harris. He has lectures in there and talks with other interesting people and practice theory. And then he has a daily mindfulness meditation that's 10 or 20 minutes, which is awesome. I really like his style. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great talking to you. And I'm, I'm fascinated at how you've been able to accomplish all this and move forward and be successful. And, uh, you know, that's not an easy thing to do. I'm sure there are a lot of listeners thinking, yeah, you know, I'd love to be able to do that. What's your last word of advice before we say goodbye? Believe in yourself and bet on yourself. Life's too short to do anything else. All right. And go to alectorelli.com or consciouspoker.com and check all this out. Thank you so much for being on the show, Alec. Thanks. Appreciate you having me. This is awesome, Bruce. Have a good one. Great. Bye now. 